0: Welcome to the Wall Street Coach Podcast. This is my first restream live podcast with the one and only legend, Ricky Adelog. Welcome to my podcast.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, Kimmy.
0: So good to have you here. You were on my podcast with me, you know, I want to say two and a half, three years ago. So this is my first time just getting you so low and very happy you're here.
1: Yeah, it's Crazy how time flies like that.
0: It flies. It flies. I think it's, it's, is it three years that we know each other?
1: Yeah. It's gotta be going on that for sure.
0: It's just crazy. We got to meet, uh, for the first time in person last year's, uh, Trades for Cause event. And are you going to Trace for Cause?
1: So unfortunately I'm at a wedding in the Midwest that same week. was really (laughs) bummed to find out because. Usually it's in October and I'm always like, okay, let's go, let's go. And then this year it's in uh, November. So, but I think you're going, right? I am going. That's awesome. I'm, going. Yeah.
0: I'm just excited to see you again because we got to share the, share the stage before with those panels. And that was just so much fun to be up there with you.
1: It's always such a great event.
0: It really is. It really is. So I want to give you guys the formal bio of this man who is just an extraordinary human being. Uh, never mind an excellent trader. Ricky has been a full time trader with over a decade of experience that trades everything. He trades everything from small caps to blue chips. His main focus is always on risk first and reward second. He fully understands that this is a marathon and not a sprint, which I don't think all traders do pay attention to. He has worked with hundreds of traders and has personally helped many struggling traders find the path to consistency and profitability. He is currently a moderator at TrueTrader.net, a community of like-minded traders focusing on exploiting the opening hour of the trading session. He is also a father of three and he can regularly be found on Twitter at Ricky Anala, reminding traders always to not lose sight of all that you have to be grateful for. And when Ricky and I were talking about the title of this interview, that was what he wanted to really focus on. So let's just start there. What informs the importance of gratitude and how you operate as a trader and just as a man?
1: Well, I mean, right off the top of the head, even what we just said five minutes ago about how time flies, right? Uh, One of the things I've really noticed with having kids is that when you don't take time for gratitude and step back and count your blessings, time seems to go even faster. I feel like when you're grateful, you're more in the moment. You just get to make things seem like they last longer. Obviously, a minute's still 60 seconds, an hour's still 60 minutes. Life flies, no matter what. It's a really short time that we're given on this earth. You know, people get caught up in the the minutia. So I think traders are a really great example for this because we are blessed to do something that to most would seem really silly, to make a decent living, right? Depending on like what your goals are and stuff, there's really no ceiling. And uh, to an outsider looking in, you're just pushing buttons, right? Yeah. And we get caught up in the dumbest stuff where we go, we make everything really big. And then uh, the ability to be grateful and see things for how insignificant they really are mm. allows us to, you know, move on quicker from the struggle, you know, find happiness when sometimes maybe you think you should be down and not having a great day. I would be remiss to not bring up like what we're literally seeing unfold in front of us right now with the Middle East. Like, there's not a single problem that a trader has right now that even comparable to what many other people are experiencing in this world. And so I work with a lot of traders. And I see people, you know, unfortunately, the majority of people, when they reach out to you, it's because they're going through a struggle. They don't reach out to tell you how great everything's going. Yeah. Uh, So I deal with it on a pretty consistent basis. And a lot of the times that's usually my first advice is to just focus on gratitude and then try to recenter yourself.
0: Yeah. Would you be willing to share when you yourself got connected to the importance of it?
1: You know, I do a lot of I don't want to call it self-help, but like I'm always reading. I'm always trying to just like improve who I am as a person. So like when you do a lot of that kind of work, you read a lot of good authors who constantly harp on the importance of it. You know, if you hear a lot of people that are really successful, great people, and they keep seeming to say the same thing, maybe there's a bit of truth to it. Right. And, um, you know, a a great friend of ours, I know you met him as well at Traders for Cause, but Joe Fami, he gave a speech one year at triggers for a cause where he was literally, he's like, dude, I've never met somebody that was successful, that wasn't also a grateful person and didn't have like a positive attitude. And he's like, it's impossible to be upset and grateful at the same time. And that to me was so powerful because it's so true. Like you could be going through the most effed up stuff in the whole world and you take five minutes to like go through a checklist of all the things you could be grateful for. And all of a sudden you just feel like weight lifted off your shoulders.
0: So true, so true. Wow, that's so great that he gave that talk. I'm kind of curious to hear I I kind of wanna to try to go access it someplace.
1: You probably can. They have all the talks um, on Project Impact's website. I think it's like a donation that goes to the cancer research, but I believe it was the year before the one you were at, which I believe was oh, just okay. last year. maybe two years ago. Joe's a staple. <laughs> He's there every year.
0: That's good. I'm glad he'll be there again. Hi, Sam Cat. We have Sam Cat joining us. He is somebody, he was a regular in my YouTube live, so I'm glad you're here. Please let us know if you have a question. We'll prob- I'll probably do a lot of interviewing with Ricky first, but your second half will take questions uh, for sure. So put them up here and I'll come back to them. Ricky, just with regards to all of the treaties that you've helped over the years, uh, we talked a little bit too about just some of the standard challenges that you see them face what is the most predominant challenge they seem to be up against
1: there are a lot that just you can call them demons right this particular demon seems to rear its head all the time the one that like really always irritates me because it's very hard for somebody that's a mentor in in a position that i mean to help somebody fix because it really comes down to them and that is they just continuously do the exact same thing that they know doesn't work. Like they've been doing it, they realize when they do it and it's usually an emotional reaction to something. And as soon as they do it, they have that instant feeling of, I did it again. And a lot of times, you know, they probably know that they should take that position off or somehow, you know, get themselves out of that situation, but they just go through, they say, let's just see how the dice fall. And you know, there's a reason that doing what they're doing doesn't work, but there's only so many times as a mentor, you can say, Hey, look, okay. I notice you keep doing this over and over. Like you need to make it a rule. It needs to be something that you just quit doing. It. Some of them like really just can put the effort in and get disciplined. But uh, a lot of them, you know, might go a week, two weeks where they cut it out. And then it just, like we said, rears its ugly head again. The stem of that problem is discipline, right? It's like, and This feeling of having to make this one trade work, I see it all the time. Like if you look at how many trades you take over the course of a year, you'd be like stupid to think that any single trade should make or break you. Yet when you get blinders on and you're super focused on the microscopic, that trade seems like life or death and you fight it and you know, you end up taking a loss that was way bigger than you should have and you know that it was preventable but it came down to discipline. When I work with people, one of the things I'm always trying to impart on them is like discipline starts outside of your job. It's your personal habits. It's, can you like wake up at the first alarm bell or do you hit snooze? Like, you know, can you eat consistently healthy or do you freaking swerve off the highway when you see a Taco Bell sign? It's just that simple. And those small, simple steps repeated over and over and over manifest themselves outside into all the other they bleed over into the rest of your life.
0: Yeah. Do you do you feel that there should almost be a checklist that a person who's considering being a trader should take? You know, we know that there's no real bar of entry. There are certain bars that show up, but in a lot of ways anybody can be a trader. So do you think that there should be like a self quiz to say, am I built to be a trader?
1: You know what? It's funny because if there was, I still think it wouldn't matter because most people don't know who they really are until they start trading. Like trading reveals a lot about who you are. And so a lot of times we have to learn about ourselves, then make adjustments and correct course.
0: Yeah. Are you willing to share over this decade of working as a trader, especially in the beginning, what was the thing you started to learn about you?
1: You know, th- there's obviously been a million things. And I'm still a work in progress. One of the bigger things I remember maybe a year three or four, when you fi- start finding some sort of consistency and what might resemble success, you know, here's the funniest thing I've noticed about life in general is that like, whatever it is you do, like I use sports or skateboarding when I was younger as a good um, analogy. And that is like, you always think like where you're currently at is like somehow super far advanced until you've been at it for another year or two and look back at where you were and go man i was naive right and it's same as in trading so like year three or four yeah you find some consistency maybe not everybody does and so please don't don't ever measure yourself by anybody else's bar right but whether you're in three or four seven or eight or whatever it is and you start to find what you think is consistency and success always remember and stay humble that like, you know, a few years from now you could look back at the trader you are today and be mind boggled that you were even thinking such silly thoughts, right? So I think one of the bigger ones for me was realizing I had a problem with thinking that I was smarter than the market sometimes. I guess what it was stemming from was the outcome of a trade somehow validating or invalidating your self-worth, you know, taking really big losses and then somehow letting that snowball into, okay, now I'm depressed and now I'm going to self-sabotage by being unhealthy, whether that was like, you know, drinking or uh, not going to the gym or being like, you know what? I was going to have a really healthy dinner tonight. but I feel like shit, we're going to go eat McDonald's, right? And it all came from the fact that a trade didn't work. When you realize I don't have like a super high win rate, right? Like I'm not right 80% of the time, nor do I want to be. And knowing that, if you know you're going to be wrong that often, how are you going to let being wrong about a trade make you as a person, you know, less valued?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm so glad you spoke to that because I do see that often is how much that sense of self esteem is tied to that day to day experience as a trader, which feels like such a setup for depression and frustration and low self-esteem.
1: Well, not only that, but there's always the aftermath, right? Where you're like, oh, I F this trade up and now I feel like shit. What about while you're in the trade, knowing that if you eat the big loss, that it's going to make you feel like a failure and it causing you to exacerbate that problem, right? Like, geez. So you got to go into these things knowing like my self-worth isn't tied to the outcome of this trade. This trade could be the perfect setup. This could be A plus as it gets. And there's still a chance that it doesn't work. And that's nothing to do with you. The market is the market. It's going to do whatever the hell it's going to do. We're playing a game of probabilities and like even a 90% probability, you know, you're going to be wrong one in 10. So get used to it.
0: Absolutely. Just for your own journey, I'm kind of curious. So that shows up a few years into you. How did you think when it showed up you were able to start to pivot and not find that those losses defined your self-esteem? What did you lean into or begin to practice that facilitated you disconnecting your sense of identity with those losses?
1: The real answer for me, and obviously I think it could be different for everybody out there when they have to go on that journey themselves. For me, it was drilling down into data and like, systematizing everything because once I did that I literally knew like I could see that hey look here's a system I could trade this system and it's going to be wrong you know almost six out of ten times like 60% of the time it's going to be wrong but if you stick to it and let your winners go to the targets that they should go to and you cut your losses where you know you should it's profitable and it's doable and you just really boil down to the discipline but the solution that came from it or the strength in doing that was that it removed me from the equation. Like it's not me, it's a system. I'm just the monkey pushing the button. I mean, if Homer Simpson is working at the nuclear facility and the facility burns down, he doesn't get upset about his own self-worth. He was doing his, I'm just a monkey pushing the button. Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. What do you feel you see as a challenge We talked about kind of beginners What do you see as a challenge for sophisticated traders?
1: Honestly, like, a lot of times they're almost the same challenges, just kind of showing up in slightly different manners. Like, the, the whole, like, thinking you're smarter than the market thing, the more you've traded and the more you learn about, like, you, know, you stumble across every indicator out there every idea possible you start listening like you might be a technical trader and you start listening to macro guys you might be a macro guy and start worrying like what what the day traders are doing right and you start seeing you add to your tool belt you, and you just keep compiling all these different tools and eventually you're like the wiser you get the more you start thinking like no i should be able to outsmart the market and you always remember at the end of the day like look the market can be very, very irrational. And like, I'm trying to pick my spots, choose my battles and remember, like, just check your ego at the door. And I mean, we do things all the time to like um, combat that, but that is not something that ever goes away. Like your ego is just part of who you are and you just learn to live with it. I think one of the things I learned from you that was super important was uh, the ability to like, have these like out-of-body experiences where you just witness yourself experiencing an emotion and like you said, right, same. that's interesting and letting that path of questioning kind of guide you because I do it all the time now where I'm like, all right, like I'm feeling this regardless of what happens with this trade. This trade might work. It might not work, but like let's step back right now and let's just look at how I'm feeling right now and ask some questions. So those have been things that helped me a lot.
0: Good. I'm really glad to hear that. Let's just talk about The journey you've had. Walk us through the kind of trader you started out as and how you kind of found yourself to be the trader that you are today. Just for the traders who are listening, who perhaps want to, you know, understand how you evolved over time. And for the traders who maybe are kind of curious if there is a path they themselves can follow, just share a little bit about what it literally looked like. And also what perhaps you might do or wish you did a little different along the way.
1: No, oh, that's easy. So I think probably my story is very similar to what a lot of people could relate to in terms of like the way it started. And, you know, I started in 2012 during the first pot stock boom. Towards, I think it was the end of 2012, like Octoberish, And I didn't know anything, uh, but I found Twitter, which... Blessing and curse
0: yeah, Like totally. at
1: the same time, right? Like it's, I realized it's like, wow, there's people on here talking about these stocks and t- saying like, oh, this is going to go to the moon. Like, and you get, you instantly are introduced to the idea of FOMO. You don't have, I don't think we had identified that that was what it was yet. Nope, totally. In hindsight, that's definitely what it was. And so, you know, I started off just eyeing everything that everybody was pumping on Twitter. And like, I was managing, I had a business partner at the time. We had a joint account. I had a personal account and I had his his personal account so I had like three accounts and I think the whole thing like if you lumped it all together got cut in half. so you know one of the things I've always prided myself on is that like I like doing hard things just for the sake of doing hard shit it's maybe a bit masochistic I don't know but like uh when I find something that I'm not good at right away I'm instantly like really really interested in it I'm just like I got to figure this out. And you know, there's that whole statistic, like 90, 95% of traders fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, if you meet like the average Joe out there in the public, those are the guys that like, if they get knocked on the ground, they don't pick themselves back up and go try again. If you want to keep them as part of the sample size and like they're part of the statistics, then yeah, 95% of people fail. But I would say if you cut them out, that's 60% of people, right? So if you now you narrow it down to those people those are the people that are resilient and can get knocked down and dust themselves off you're looking at a a much bigger percentage of that sample size that is possibly going to make it in it it obviously boils down to a lot of other things but you know i was part of that sample size where it was like i don't care i'm gonna figure this out and uh the number one thing i did well a few one was realizing you can't just listen to people on twitter because that was. In fact, had I done the opposite of what they were saying, I would have been rich. So learning to not follow people, to just be like, listen, like I'm gonna figure this out on my own and I don't need a shortcut. I don't need somebody on Twitter to tell me XYZ is going to the moon. That was like the number one thing. Number two was finding a group of people that were kind of similar to me and then getting a, a group of them together that we could have accountability. And, you know, I found that. And once I found that, I also at this, right around the same time, uh, found my first mentor. And that was another huge step because if you can find a, a legitimate mentor, one that's not just trying to sell you a pipe dream, you know, I'm not here to drop names, I'm not gonna bash anybody, but there are some really, really good people out there who are very knowledgeable. And if you can weed out the shit, find the goal, there's guys out there that can take you under their wing, yeah, it costs money, but guess what? If you let people in for free, you get what you pay for. You're literally just getting all the riffraff, the people that chase the shiny objects. But finding a mentor was like probably the number one thing that was able to turn my trajectory around because you gotta find a way to shortcut all the losses. You gotta find somebody that is going to teach you how to manage risk. And that's why I'm so adamant about that is it doesn't matter how good of a trader you think you are, there's going to be situations you're faced with where if you don't have rock solid bulletproof risk management, you're toast. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen so many guys that can go from, you know, $25,000 to we're talking seven figures and sometimes not even a small seven figures, sometimes four or five, $6 million. And within the next fiscal year, they're looking for a job. They're literally like they've blown it all up and it's disgusting almost because it's like, I don't ever want to know what it feels like to lose that amount of money. And the only way that you can guarantee to not have that kind of horrific blow up is to have that kind of risk management.
0: And those that you did witness this happen to, do you attribute it to just their lack of risk management?
1: That and their lack of ability to do the hard thing when it counts. It's tough because it's one of those things that I guess maybe I'm lucky for me, I'm always just like, well, I have a family and like, you know, blowing up my account, I don't have that option. Like if I draw down a certain amount and I'm looking at it going, you know, and this happens to people, they'll look at a loss that's so big that eventually they go, you know what? Screw it. Like it's so big. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no coming back from this, so I mind's as well. And that is like the most dangerous thought you can have. So, but I'm not allowed to have that because look, I have people that literally count on me to, you know, be a risk manager first. Yes. And then, you know, again, it's and maybe that prevents me from, you know, having these gigantic outlier days that you see some people on Twitter posting, right? Like I've seen people have seven figure days. Like in one day they're making seven figs. Yeah. I'm not out here trying to act like I've had that. But at the same time, I'm also not blowing up because I'm making my base hits. I'm responsible and accountable to my family.
0: Yeah, totally. Do you feel that those were traders who had been in the game? Do you recall? Were they in the game long enough to have known better?
1: Some, yeah. But a lot of them, You're, I think maybe what you're hitting on here is probably correct in that it would be like the possibility that some of these guys were just lucky enough to make fast money. And not we have put in the time and effort to make it the right way so that they can keep it.
0: Yep, totally. So we have five minutes till the 35 hour mark. But part of what I'm realizing, Ricky, is that because I put this uh, Twitter space out on Twitter space, I don't know that people will know to come into this live. So it could be that just to make sure we don't alienate those seven if just. We had 22 signed up yesterday, but I put the wrong time. And now we have seven. So it could be just to, in the interest of honoring that. Maybe I just can't post a Twitter space thing anymore. And I have to just, this is a restream thing going forward. So maybe just to be kind to them. I just don't know how to click the Twitter space and keep this going. So Jasmine and Kat, because you guys were here first. If you guys have any questions, before Ricky and I move over to the Twitter space, please feel free to ask them now. Um, here's another question, Ricky. Do you Did you think when you first started trading that you would be here a decade later? Or did you not have worked it at all?
1: Yeah, honestly, I, I kind of think I did. I mean, I don't know if it's even a question, really, because I did an interview a long time ago, maybe like three or four years ago. And one of the questions was like, uh, did you ever think about throwing in the towel or quitting? The answer I had to that made a a good friend of mine now who I didn't really know at the time, but he reached out to me. He's like, Ricky, when I heard that, he's like, that like spoke to me because like, dude, that's how you know that this is something that you're going to be around for. I told him, I said, of course, I have these moments where I like have doubts and stuff and maybe even like want to cry or scream. Like it only lasts a moment, like maybe minutes. And then I remember like, no, like I'll figure this out. I think that kind of was like almost the same question just asked from the other side of the coin, right? Like, I don't don't know if I knew I was going to be around this long, but I knew that I wasn't quit.
0: Yeah, totally. Which is, it's so profound. And what do you attribute that to? Your doggedness?
1: Maybe just this, yeah, just resiliency. There are definitely some things in life I suck at, but I'm like, I've always been really good at sports. I'm, I'm pretty book smart. Like I always got really good grades. And so like a lot of stuff, uh, always came like naturally easy for me. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when something's hard, I gravitate towards it because I'm just like, dude, I like the challenge. I like to push myself. I'm a pretty big believer in that. Like true happiness comes from Progress, which only can be done through challenging yourself. So, yeah, as long as you're not pushing yourself and trying to become a better version of yourself than you were today, you'll feel stagnation, Amen. and then that leads to depression, almost, right? So,
0: for sure, you know, one of the things I say all the time is that um, treating is the best school of enlightenment out there. It's going to force you to look deep at the shadows within yourself.
1: It definitely folds a big mirror up to you.
0: Does it not, right? It seems yes. to you. Do you feel that trading has made you a better man?
1: Well, yes, definitely some things, right? Mm-hmm. At, granted, at the same time I've been on this journey, many other things happen in life, right? Like I got married, I have kids. and Like I would think that, you know, trading definitely helped guide me in the right direction in certain aspects of my life. But definitely having kids, and being married and all these things not only had very profound effect on my life but also had a really profound effect on my trade so i mean honestly like i went through a phase where I, i'm out on the east coast now but i was on the west coast and uh, my kids would wake up at six thirty in the morning for uh, school and they they're young so they're losing their mind going loud and getting crazy and i'm the bell literally just rang and i'm trying to trade and focus and i'm I've got a kid tugging on my arm and my wife's like got one kid and I'm like, "Ah!" and like, there's been times that I just wanted to scream and like, but at one point, I remember one of my kids saying like, dad, I don't like when you trade or I don't like when you're working. And it tugged in my heart so bad because I was like, damn, like I'm a father first, right? Like, and these kids are only going to be young for this short amount of time. And I don't ever want my kids to be like, I hate when my dad's work or, you know, my wife being like, it doesn't make me feel good that you get short with me when I'm trying my best to get these kids ready for school in the morning and like you're trying to work. And I'm like, that was a huge turning point for me because that was part of that point in time in my career where I had to systematize everything because one, I literally had to do it to save my, my relationship with my kids and my wife because I had to be able to remove all the emotion. And the only way to remove the emotion as much as possible, because you can't get rid of all of it, but the only way to remove as much as possible was to legitimately systemize everything as much as I possibly could.
0: Wow. Amazing. That's amazing. All right. So we have a couple of questions here, but guys, PR going to have to go over the Twitter space, I suspect to just be true to me putting it up and out there. But a couple of questions. Well, Lloyd, I'm so glad you're here. He's uh, listening to the stream while he's driving. So what? please go over Twitter speeds Now her v says, do you share your daily profits and losses with your wife? There are times where knowing what I need her loss has an effect on my relationship.
1: I don't. Um, I used to. And like, I realized that one, if you're in our business, then we can all talk about things and it makes sense to us. But people that aren't, sometimes it just seems silly to them. And, uh, What was funny was like, it used to be like a daily thing. And then I was like, you know what? There's really no point in telling her what I made unless it was like an outlier day. And then that was even worse because it was like, shit. One, if it was a big day, it was like, oh, like, so we should go spend a shit ton of money now. Like, if it was really bad, I was like, she's gonna like, maybe he shouldn't be working. (laughs) So honestly, it's come to the point now where if she asks, I'm always transparent. Like I'll, you know, and. What's funny is I don't ever post P&L stuff on Twitter. Like, to me, it's kind of, yeah. honestly, it's no one else's business. And one of the things my mentor always told me is like, listen, the only people that really freaking matter in your life are your wife and your kids and maybe your immediate family. And, you know, you wanna share your P&L, share it with them, but there's no reason to share it outside of that. And uh, I've always found that to be pretty good advice for me personally. Because you get caught, like, I see people that start posting PL and it becomes an ego. And I'm not right. in this to have an ego. I mean, in fact, I want to do everything in my power to stay away from anything that's an activity that's going to trigger my ego. Yeah. And PL postings, like, dude, look at how many people you see post PL on Twitter and they start doing it like where they try to show transparency and they want to do it consistently every day. And then they hit a rough patch and then they're posting these big negative P and L's and dude, I don't give a shit about Twitter, but I care about that person not realizing that that in the back of his head while he's trading is actually affecting his actual trade. And I'm like, dude, you got to stop posting that because you're worried about what everyone else is going to think.
0: 100% agreed with you. All right. We'll go to Twitter space now, but please, anybody listening here, we have 10 people here. I, I know this may seem strange, guys, but because I set up that space, I'm concerned that those who are waiting for the space aren't hearing this, although you would think they would be. But again, all these platforms, it's hard to keep track. Ricky, I'll meet you over at the Twitter space, and we'll have part two finish up there. So I'm going to end this here.
1: Thanks, everybody that listened to this one. Um, yeah. And if you guys are in here watching this, check out Kim and Kurt Haynes, uh, she has a discord, the, uh, I always, is it a hero's trainer, yeah, hero's hero, trainer? Hero,
0: hero turn,
1: Okay. Hero. Yeah. And listen guys, uh, Kim, please tell them your website and stuff, because I don't want to get it wrong, but I want them to hear it from you because the you're a coach. wealth of knowledge.
0: A Wall Street coach. And they're all on my YouTube channel right now, it seems. Uh, they They know where to find me. They want to know where to find you, but they know probably with Ricky Analog, his handle is right there on the screen. You box. can find
1: me, you can find me at the golf course, guys.
0: And on Twitter just a little bit. All right, we're gonna end this now and I'll see you over at the space. All right. Aloha everybody. My name is Kim Ann Curtin, the host of the Wall Street Coach. I'm very fortunate to have Ricky Analog here today to answer some questions. We just did part one of the podcast through Restream, which is a new platform I'm trying to use. So that's The podcast, when it releases, probably in about seven to 10 days, we'll have part one along with this as part two. Ricky, you can hear me. All is clear. Yes.
1: Yep. We're good. Uh, Just beat it out real fast.
0: Perfect. 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 We have some familiar faces and names here. I definitely want you guys to ask Ricky questions. I want you to feel comfortable to bring those questions forward Some of you were over on YouTube just a few minutes ago when we were doing the free stream. One of the things that I'm just, you know, fascinated with, with regards to Ricky's journey is his willingness to always be so transparent. There are some, you know, trading gurus out there who have a tendency to always kind of focus on, you know, what they do well. But Ricky has always been so uh, forthright about the challenges he's had. And I feel that that's just one of your greatest strengths, Ricky. What do you think you attribute that to your ability to just be like, oh, wow, here's the places that I still have to learn. Here are the places I still have to develop. What makes you so comfortable with, yes, sharing your wins, but also sharing the places where you've been challenged?
1: I mean, I feel like, one, I'm just trying to like be genuine most of the time and like I, I don't have an agenda where I'm... I literally just—if you guys want to talk about whatever subject trading is to you, like I'm game. Like I love talking shop, but at the same time, like I feel like when you, I feel like most traders can see right through the bullshit. And so, like, what's the point of getting caught up in some dumb, you know, fabrication or trying to make it seem rosier than it is? We all go through the same struggles, and uh like anybody that tells you trading is easy, like so probably should run <laughs> because. It's literally the hardest shit in the world. And that's the reason I love it so much. So you can't say that you love something because it's hard and then sit here and try to like talk about how you have it so good and everything just always works and you're never wrong and whatever, right? You can't have it both ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things we started to talk about on Restream was specific to this title. Rick, uh, you know, I ran some titles past him before I put the space up. And he really was adamant that he wanted this conversation to focus on the importance of gratitude. I know we've already spoken a little bit about it, but I think it's such a big topic. Let's just revisit, you know, this what attitude of gratitude looks like for you in your day to day. Just give me a sense of how you practice gratitude, especially on the days where perhaps, you know, you're not really feeling that much gratitude because you're frustrated or uh, depressed or demoralized in some way. How do you practice it as a trader?
1: Personally, it starts with having a life outside of trading because I don't know if like you can separate how grateful you feel from your day to day if all you really are is a trader and that's it. like You have to have passions, you have to have hobbies and, and things you enjoy doing outside of the market so that you can kind of uh, remember that you trade for a reason, right? Like you don't live to trade, you trade to live.
0: You know, it's so powerful to hear you say that. And and of all the people like that I would say do so self-identify as a trader, it would be you. And yet I often hear you talk, uh, just advocating about, you know, the importance of your physical health, like your frequently in the gym, you're frequently out on the golf course, you're frequently talking about how you're spending time with your kids and your wife. So how do you balance it all? Let's just talk about that balance. Trading asks so much of every treatment. How do you give that and keep this life and these responsibilities to your family afloat?
1: You know, the the answer I want to give is probably not going to help anybody because The truth is that, like, I think in the earlier years, there was a lot of sacrifice where it was really long hours and like, you know, spending really crazy amounts of time trying to figure out this edge that I was looking for. And when I finally got it, finally had found stuff that was working and consistency and some semblance of success, then I realized it was like, well, wait a second. You thought, like, when you get this, that that was going to bring happiness if you don't have outside things going on in your life, you'll find that there's still a huge void. So like the the truth is like if you're starting out, there is going to be sacrifice. I think that's true in any endeavor if you want to be great at it. Like if you want to start a business, like an entrepreneur, you want to like own your own business and you're starting from scratch, there's gonna be so many fifteen, sixteen hour days, maybe even more, skipping meals, like staying up late and waking up early and like turning down going out to events with friends and all that stuff because you know that it's gonna pay off later and that's when you get to, you know, enjoy things. But at the same time, when you're going through that, there still does need to be a focus on on gratitude. Because that's like we were talking on Restream earlier, is like we're talking about some some real first world problems right now, aren't we? We're talking about, oh yeah. my God, like, dude, you're gonna be grateful because you had a bad day trading and you're somehow going to find something to be grateful for. Like, dude, there's people out there that don't have clean drinking waters. There's people out there that literally are hearing bombs dropped outside of their, where they live at this very moment. Yeah. So like, yeah. Yeah. It, it comes down to like perspective and zooming out and remembering like, there's people with much bigger problems than ours. And like, you know, there's people I've seen, like they had much less of a head start than many of us. In fact, I see crews on here. I I know many other traders that literally like have amazing stories about how they overcame the craziest amounts of adversity and they made it. So like when you hear a story like that and uh, you know that they were able to pull it out and make it and are now successful in this, then you start to realize that like a lot of things that we trivialize and make into much bigger problems than they are, are tiny minuscule problems.
0: I almost wonder if a person has endured great hardship if they have perhaps a more likely path of success as a trader. It's like if you've been to hell and back and you've survived it in your life, maybe you're built to trade.
1: Well, I think struggle is what helps build resilience. Like if you constantly have been beaten to the ground and then, you know, pick yourself up time and time again. And then you show up to the market, you learn about this thing called the stock market and you show up and it beats you to the ground. You're just like, I'm used to this shit, right? Like what? It's just another day. (laughs) But like, if you're like born with a silver spoon and like show up and everything's been handed to you on a silver platter, you're in for a rude awakening because like the market doesn't give a shit about your background.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I have this assessment, Ricky, which is, you know, really quite unusual. And in this assessment, one of the things that gets measured is work ethic. And there was someone who was being considered for position, but the work ethic was not really scoring significantly. And they learned way later that this person had lived off of an inheritance until like his 24th birthday. And so that work ethic, like it sort of just didn't get baked into the recipe of him. And it just, part of what I see again and again in traders is that incredible work ethic. So just talk a little bit about, you know, what might be some questions a trader really has to ask themselves. And even traders who are perhaps, as a beginner, they're needing to level up what are the questions they have perhaps to ask themselves to see, can I really Give work ethic to us.
1: So for me personally, work ethic was something that I've always had, like since I was really young, like I worked, I was raised where if you're not five minutes early, you're late. And honestly, I I don't remember who the hell taught me that because I don't think it was my mom or my dad. I don't know. My advice, if you don't have it and you're already in your twenties or something, you're not going to get it as easily as somebody that just, you know, has already put in like through your teen years, working a shitty job, like whatever it be whether it's mcdonald's or you know i mean name any job a teenager has they're usually like the shittiest jobs and you have to learn how to just embrace the suck if you're in your 20s or 30s and you find that you don't have the work ethic and you want to improve on it the one key piece of advice i can give anybody is start learning how to go to the gym because the -hmm. gym is where it's forged it's literally like we go there on to beat ourselves up purposefully. Like we're like, listen, I'm going to go do something really effing hard. And when you're done, you get to feel proud about it. It's also one of the greatest things because it's not, you don't get overnight results. It's literally, it takes forever. And you just have to feel proud that you're putting in the work, not, you don't get the results right away. And so that's very like trading, right? It takes a lot of hard work over a long period of time and you might not see results for a while, but you're just proud of yourself for doing the work itself.
0: Yeah, and I, I do feel there is a sense of accomplishment coming out of that gym, knowing you could have easily talked yourself out of it. And <laughs> even if you don't see the results on your body right away, you have that like internal sense of, I did something today that I easily could have avoided. Yeah,
1: and I mean, you can talk about the chemical transformation that happens with all the Help. things released and how it affects your mind state and all this but like honestly you'll hear I'm no different right so I have a little voice in my head and from time to time he says really stupid shit but like <laughs> one time we were in the gym and I was doing some really tough ab workout where I heard the little voice in my head I was like on set number or on uh, yeah set number two of this four set lift and the little voice Oof. the little voice goes Maybe we just do three sets today. And when I heard him, I go, oh, way to go, asshole. Now you're doing six sets. And that when you do that enough times, the little voice learns how to pipe down. And it just, over time, you know, you get him to shut up a little more. It's sick and twisted, but it's the truth. Like, I literally do that. If I hear him say something like that, I know that it's like, it reminds me of a, was it, Happy Gilmore, where she's like, my hands hurt. Can I... Go to bed and you're like, well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscaping. <laughs>
0: <Like>. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's the best. That's the best way <laughs> to get the middle finger to that inner no. I really love that, Ricky. It's fantastic. All right, guys, please make sure you're following Ricky here on Twitter. Make sure that you are following me on Twitter. And also, please put your hand up if you want to ask Ricky a question. Ricky and I got to meet three years ago through True Trader. That was the first uh, way we got introduced. And I've just been impressed with you since day one with how honest you are. And you just shoot straight from it all (laughs) the time. I appreciate your sense of humor. I also appreciate how you don't take things too seriously. So you're just an incredibly generous soul to so many traders and i'm just curious like do you enjoy that sense of mentoring other traders as much as you enjoy trading
1: yeah honestly it's a strange thing because like um i feel through helping other traders that it really just helps solidify what i do more so like a lot of times when i'm giving people advice i'm hearing myself say it and it's reiterating it for myself because like i said You don't wake up one day and everything just clicks and you just have it easy right like a lot of traders think that they see somebody that's you know got huge amount of wealth accumulated and they've been trading for a long amount of time and this is the person that they look up to and they aspire to be and they they put this person on this pedestal where they go that guy has figured it out and it's easy for him now and i'm here to tell you guys i personally know for a fact for myself and i also know through my mentors who are more successful than I am and they'll tell you the same thing is that that never comes that day never comes you don't just wake up and everything is just easy and it it all just clicks now things get easier right because why because we stop making the same stupid mistakes once you start cutting out all the dumb bs yes things get a little easier but it's still a never-ending challenge right so helps keep like humble and on the straight path not you know it's hard to tell somebody not to do something and you're over here doing the same stupid thing, right? So I got to like practice what I preach a lot.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And, you know, your will guide still here in the full episode, Ricky's bio, but he's been a full-time trader for over a decade. I'm curious, Ricky, what are the areas that after 10 years you will have to still be mindful about in your trading for yourself?
1: Mostly just ego, mostly just like keeping myself humble and in check because you go through streaks, you go through patches of success where the market's rewarding what it is you're doing at the time and you start to attribute that to some sort of innate skill. And <laughs> it's not. Yeah, you have to understand that like anybody can be right on any trade, right? And that's me included. I can just throw a dart at the board and say XYZ is going to go up or it's going to go down. And whether it goes up or down, isn't a result of whether you're smart or dumb, right? It's a result of the market doing whatever the hell it's gonna do. And were you able to manage that risk and express the trade and stick to your plan? But yeah, it's really just about remembering that like the market will reward you for periods at a time and it will also do the opposite. And if you're not very sharp and on point and finger on the pulse and kind of like third eye view, just watching over yourself, you can let that become ego And think that it's you that's all of a sudden gifted and you're not.
0: Yep. Yep. It's such, I think what's so fascinating, and we have a couple of questions here, but what's so fascinating is that I see if that trading requires a really strong level of confidence to even trade at all. And yet it's like this razor's edge that it can't slip into hubris. How do you keep track of like, I'm going to be confident, but I'm not going to let it slip to hubris for yourself. How do you, how do you measure that and check for yourself that you're not over that line?
1: Sadly enough, usually the market does it for you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, you'll start feeling like hot shit and you know, you'll be on a streak. And if you're willing to listen, the market tells you early. If you're stubborn and let you go get to it a little too much, that's where it gets out of control, right? So it's listening to the market. The market always tells you, you just got to have your ears open.
0: Okay. All right, Han, who is, uh, had news. I'll ask your question in a moment, but for, please ask your question. What's your question for Ricky? Glad you're here.
2: Hey, Tim, Ricky, thanks for posting this and the YouTube as well. Ricky, I wanted to ask, I'm sure as, as you've been in the game long enough, there are going to be periods where the market's just not agreeing with your edge. Um, what have you found to be like the most successful approach in terms of moving around and trying to find different edges? Me personally, I know that towards the end of 22 and beginning of 23, when things were kind of slowing down, I tried futures, I tried shorting, you know, I tried all these different things to see where uh, a new edge could be found and ultimately kind of ended up back where I started is just on the long side in small caps, but interested to hear your process with that. Cause it can definitely be frustrating when you have long streaks of things just not really working out for you.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I agree. And for me personally, like uh, after you've been trading long enough, you do start to kind of develop multiple systems to trade. So I definitely have a few that I trade on a very regular basis. And there's one right now that was in last year was like my bread and butter. And right now it's funny because I use certain scanners to bring these trades to my attention. And then I always track the data on it and the frequency of those setups has just completely dwindled. But thankfully I also have other systems I trade. And so one thing I do is I always look at what's not working for me right now, and it doesn't mean it won't work later, And I also figure out what is working for me at the moment. And I always try to shift in a meaningful way where, like I said, it kind of goes right back to what I was saying about just having an open ear and listening to the market. If you're a newer trader and let's say you only have one system and it's working, what I would do is set aside some smaller amount of money to risk on newer things you're experimenting with and try to find new systems that do work but without risking so much that you're putting yourself in jeopardy and uh you know at the same time one of the biggest things most traders can do is adapt their risk to how well they're trading so like when i start to draw down i also start to lower the amount i risk per trade and that's that's a direct result of my risk being just a math equation based on my account size so like if i'm trading a normal size account, I'm going to risk usually 1% of an account on my whole account for that trade if it's an A-plus setup. So if I'm trading a $100,000 account, I'm going to risk $1,000 if it's an A-plus setup. So if I draw down $10,000 and now I'm trading a $90,000 account, now I'm only risking $900. So basically, you're taking your foot off the gas as the market's telling you it's not working. And as your account's growing and things are working, your risk is going up and you're, you're putting your foot to the pedal right now that can be a bit tricky too because you always have to keep in mind that your your goal is to be paying yourself too and wiring out so usually i only wire out half of the gains every two weeks that way the account can still grow and i can still increase risk and still do it responsibly and again that some people aren't at that point yet right where they're still just trying to find consistency and not blow up an account right and when you get to a level where it is a career and you're trading to put food on your table, it's listening to the market and allowing the way you're performing to dictate how much risk you're taking perfect
0: does that answer your question?
2: yeah, definitely, and that's actually something similar to what I've implemented myself. So, you know I've got a small like five hundred dollar weeble account that I just if I want to do a swinging strategy on or some options you know compared to you know, a couple of six-figure accounts that I trade from daily, having something that is much smaller and money that you can afford to lose, just try out these new strategies. I agree with you there. That's definitely a good good thing. I do have one more question though, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. So you talked about, you know, wiring out half of your money every two weeks. I do something similar, but okay, say I've got a $100,000 account how do you get out the PL on your year or on your month out of your head in order to push yourself a little bit further? You know, it's like I can take my $100,000 account, I can draw it down to 50, but I'm still going to ultimately trade like I'm, like I always have been. But in my head, I'm thinking, all right, now that my account's smaller, I can, you know, scale up and uh, grow this account but in the end the number that you know is there at the end of the year is what matters most to me
1: yeah so for me personally and this might not work for somebody that trades a little less active or whatever but like one i don't have my pnl showing ever and yes i do know my account balance at the beginning of every morning but i have hotkeys that take the account size so like when i hotkey into a trade putting me in with a position size where I don't have to do the math, which helps me a lot because there's times when I might not be trading very well or the market's not working great for whatever I'm doing. And, you know, if I had to do the math and figure out how many shares to take on this position, I would be hesitant to put that position on because in my head, I'm like, oh, it's a lot of size and like this could hurt. Right. But because I have these hotkeys set up to where I don't do that math, I hit a button and I don't You know i try not to go look at my position window sometimes i do i'll take a glance at it and i'm like holy shit like i have quite a bit of size on this trade and i know for a fact had i not had these hotkeys set up to do that for me i probably wouldn't have had that size and here's the problem two this is a double-edged sword because one if you don't take enough size because you're scared or hesitated to put that much size on if the trade works you didn't make enough right? Because you need to get paid what you deserve to get paid when you're right. And the same on the same side of it, right? Like if you're still taking full losses because you don't want to be wrong and you you want to have that full size or whatever, then your losses start to outweigh your wins even when you're trading well. So like the hotkeys have really been a game changer for me over the last few years, not looking at P&L. And like a, the reason I said at the beginning, it might not resonate with a lot of traders if they don't trade as actively as me, but like on a very regular basis I'll be you know approaching the opening one hour of the the first hour of the market and I'll literally be like dude I have no idea if I'm red or green today because like I've been in six seven trades and like I know like okay I know that one worked pretty well I know I took a loss on that but like kind of like anyone's guess at the end of the day like you know i unhide my p l and I look and Sometimes I'll think that I was like maybe break even, maybe slightly red and I'll be blown away. I'll be like, no, I had a really nice green day. And a lot of it was because I was trading completely ignorant to what my PL was. And so I do everything in my power to not pay attention to it. That's really, I think what addresses the question you had is that I literally try to not know what I'm, what I'm looking at for the day. Again, I know like what you were saying was more geared towards like, if an account draws down over a period of time. But in my head, I know that those hotkeys are putting me in with the right positions and it's keeping me safe.
0: Okay. So Hanus has a question here. He's curious what the best way to mentally break any hesitation of trading the way you used to, It's that's before you had made a big loss. So I think he's just trying to look for how to get yourself out of feeling hesitant after a big loss. so if you need to correct me, please do.
1: Okay. I can take a stab at it. Yeah. Honestly, there are times when if your confidence is shaken, one of two things, you might just walk, don't even participate in the market that day because you need to have pretty unwavering belief in your system and knowing that like that loss is in the past, it should not have anything to do with any of your future trades. If you feel like it does, then it probably does because it's messing with you emotionally. Um, The other thing you can do to kind of combat it is to start back with like much smaller size and just try to stack some some small base hits and just build that confidence back up. But more often than not, I see that hurt people. I don't think that it's a bad thing to take base hits and build confidence. I think that's a good thing. But a lot of times what I see is people trade piss poor because they just don't have confidence. And you got to come to work every day and know that yesterday is in the past and like every single trade you take, like it's not even yesterday. Like if I'm trading the bell rings at 930 and at 935, I'm in the trade and that trade doesn't work. The very next trade, I have to know full and well, like that last trade has no bearing on this trade at all. Like they're not linked. They're not correlated in any shape or form. They are, they're in a vacuum. So for me, that's the way I have to operate.
0: So what do you attribute your ability to cut yourself off from that loss like i imagine at first you are like god damn it like what the hell and then how do you move yourself from that understandable well, grief anger frustration disappointment whatever it is maybe all three or four and not be attached to it what do you practice to get unhooked from it
1: right? well for starters you have to like dissect that loss was that loss because you made a mistake that needs to be corrected or is that loss just that trade didn't work those are two way different things like i lose all the time and that's okay because that's what's supposed to happen but what's not supposed to happen is i'm not supposed to take a loss that was so big because i made a mistake and fought fought my system or you know broke my rules if you're breaking your rules and taking the loss That's when you need to like recalibrate and like, look, like I'm either going to treat this like a business. Like, do you want to have a career? Because if you want to have a career, I can tell you right now, I can count on one hand, how many successful traders I know that don't have discipline and it's zero. There's not a single successful trader out there that's had a long career that doesn't have extreme amounts of discipline. So like, if you aren't going to be disciplined in the way you trade, then you should just go sit out at least until you can figure that part out first. And I tell people this all the time, like you can break your rules. Let's say you're in a trade, it's not working. And you might be like, okay, I was supposed to stop out here, but instead of stopping out, I'm going to add to this. And then when it comes back to like where my average is, maybe I'll scale out or maybe make a little money or whatever. And so what you need to ask yourself is like, okay, do you want to make money right now today? on this trade because for some reason you think this trade is so important that you just can't take this loss and you need to make money right now because the opposite of that is do you want to have a career because you can't have both you can make money today by breaking your rules but you're sacrificing your career if you instead want to have a career then you need to just be like this trade doesn't matter let me take this loss right now i might be red today but i'm going to have a career
0: Love that. That I've never heard anybody say it quite succinctly at that, but holy shit, is that powerful. That is really, really powerful. I'm so glad you're asking a question, Curly Gal Investor. I see you all the time, and I'm so glad we're going to get to hear your voice. And Hanus, if you want to ask a question, you have to put a request into her Twitter screen verbally so I can turn your mic on. How are you, curly girl, girl? What's your question for Ricky? Good to have you here. Thanks for all the love and support. Thank you very much, Kim. It's very nice to greet you here. A pleasure to greet you and thank you both for having this space. Hello, Ricky. I wanted to ask um as you mentioned I was hearing the live stream that you guys had were holding prior to this, and you mentioning about having utilized mentors in the past and whatnot and I wanted to ask, how was it when you got to a point where you felt that you were transitioning from, you know, having learned all these things and uh, having utilized guide or putting together information from your mentors into finding your own ways, your own voice and you, and, and switching to trusting yourself more in
1: trading?
0: How, what was helpful for you to I guess trust yourself more,
1: yeah, so that's a good question, and to be honest with you, so like even though I help as many traders as I can and you know i'm I'm a moderator in a room and i I mentor traders all the time, like I still have mentors myself, right? Like I have a lot of traders that I speak with on a daily basis that you know I look up to, and I know that they have my best interests in mind, and we can talk openly about anything going on, and so it's not like there's never a, a point where you stop being mentor, and you become a mentor, right? You, you're constantly going to have mentors. And so one of the things that I realized after a while was like having, you know, I've had at least half a dozen mentors in my life in trading that made really, really huge impacts on my trading. Let's say there's six of them. Okay. Let's say you put all six of them into a room. All six of them will look at a stock and tell you some, they see something different, right? And uh, they can tell you like what they're seeing and like how they're reading it. And you, you can get all these different opinions. But after you learn from a number of them, what you realize is that like you have to take everybody's information that, that you kind of get and learn their ways and stuff. And you you meld it into your own. Really, you kind of and for a long time, I struggled with this because. I would learn things from mentors and I felt like I couldn't teach them to other people because it was like, no, like that's not my stuff to teach, right? Like that's, that was taught to me by my mentor. And like, you know, he, if anybody's going to teach that, it should be him. And so, but then I realized this was like, well, look, I'm trading kind of a hybrid version of like all the things I've learned over all the years from all these people. And that's really what it was, was realizing that like, look, I've taken all these, these great lessons from these really great traders and I've internalized them into what works for me. And I've kind of put my own spin on it. And again, like, I bet you anything, there's probably somebody I'm mentoring now that also has other mentors. And eventually down the road, they're going to have that same realization where are like, look, Ricky taught me like how to read the trend on this stock. And like other mentor A taught me how to understand when something is overbought or whatever. Like, I'm just throwing things out there right but just for the sake of an example but like what you're gonna do is all of a sudden you're gonna look back a few years later and go wow like I'm literally like a melting pot of all those people and so that's kind of where that happened was when I realized that I was like okay cool like when you start to talk to people about trading and markets after a while like it should be pretty apparent when you actually know what the hell you're talking about even though like it's funny because I'll be the first one to tell you like a lot of us will always like to act like we know something or whatever, but really, like, there's very few things in the market that are objectively black and white. And like, you can put together 20 macro traders, guys that look at like the fundamentals and like the macroeconomic environment and all this stuff. And what one, one guy will give you a reason why this stock should go higher over the next five years, and the next guy can give you the Uh, exact same opposite thesis, right? So like at the same time, like always keep in mind that like none of us know shit about shit and uh, stay humble (laughs) because I mean, the truth is, like I said, very, very few things in the market are black and white and objective.
0: I love that because what I'm hearing you really say is that your mentors are going to have their own perspective, but then you ultimately have to kind of Digest that perspective, and then you look out from your own perspective, informed by their perspective, but it has to be yours. It has to ultimately be yours at the end. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, it's really powerful. And it's funny when you said that. I thought, you know, when I was putting these five practices of mine together that are featured in my book, Transforming Wall Street. I was at first thinking I couldn't talk about them because I had learned them from my different mentors as if they belonged to them. And I was, you know, run, like probably struggling with scrupulosity, like, oh, well, that belongs to him. And then one of my teachers was like, no, like you have taken that teaching and now made it your own teaching. It's amazing that that's applicable into very different fields, training and coaching. Oh, yeah. But it's so true, Ricky it's so true you have to own it and make it your own it's always going to be your version yeah. of somebody else's you know life. well
1: think about all think right, about so. like all information over the last you know however long humanity's been around that's been passed on from generation to generation like it's not about it's not about taking credit <laughs> it's about helping
0: yeah for sure for sure so but again anybody have any questions i I think Hanus, you wanted to ask questions, but you have to put the request up so I can get you in the room to ask a question. But if anybody else has questions, please put it in here. Benito, I'm glad you're here. Shane, Tom, I see a lot of friendly faces. Cole, Jasmine, of course, and Curly Girl. So, and Kyle, how are you, Kyle? So please put your question forward before we close this up. Oh, Benito has a question. Let's add him as a speaker. Benito, the mic is yours. What's your question
3: for Ricky? Glad to have you here, but you tell. Curly Gal mentioned, which is asking about like how to trust yourself. And on a personal level, I, I've been struggling with that too. I'm one of the mods over in the room with Ricky, and I'm a much newer trader than Ricky is. And I, I was reflecting internally how I'm surrounded by all of these great traders. And it didn't dawn on me until this year that I never really gave myself permission to be right on my own accord. I was always looking to sort of outsource the rightness to the other pros who were clearly better than I was, you know, and more, you know, mature and all these things. And, and I think Curly really touched on a super important mental hurdle as a trader who's trying to figure out is trust yourself, you know, and, and give yourself permission to do it. I'm working on it. Uh, I love that question. So I'm really more of a comment, but if you're newer, I think that's a really important thing to focus on. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I agree. Like, I actually remember seeing you tell Jimbo that in the room and like it struck with him and I was like, it is so key. It is so key because you have to take full ownership. And like, here's the thing, when you're finding a mentor, guys, one thing you should not be looking for is to copy their trades. Like I see that like in, in our room, Like I see it all the time where like, we're calling, like I'm live streaming, you know, four days out of the week, calling trades live. Here we go. And I know what I'm saying, these trades, I'm like, man, I don't want people to copy these trades. I want people to see the trades the way we're seeing them and ask the right questions. Like, does this trade fit my plan? Do I see an edge here? Does this, is this even something that I should be trading? But like, you have to take full ownership, full stop. Like you have to be at peace with when, when it works. I don't ever want somebody to be like Ricky, thank you for that trade. Fuck that. No, you took that trade. You hit that button. And when it doesn't work, you can't be hitting me up. Like, Ricky, your idea suck. Guess what? I took a loss too. Like <laughs> I, I lost <laughs> it all the time. Like Did they like, do
0: that? Did traders come back and say, I did what you suggested?
1: They literally do <laughs> so we'll... I get I get high fives when trades work. And I'm like, dude, don't high five me. You took the trade, right? Like, because if you're high fiving me when it works, it also means that you're sort of like low low and me when it ain't working. (laughs) What do they call it? The
0: what? The what salute? Yeah. The middle finger salute. Yeah.
1: Oh shit. Ownership is a thing. Ownership of outcomes is something that is powerful because it gives you what Benito's talking about, like giving yourself the green light to like fucking take due credit and and be proud of it. And also knowing like, dude, if if you're just following a trade, you don't even have a clue how to size. Like, how are you going to size if you don't know where you're wrong? How are you going to size if you don't know where you're right? Like you got to take full ownership because the second you start doing that, you take back all the power. I don't think that's just for trading. I think that's just in life. Like people are really, really slow to take accountability and responsibility for like outcomes in their life. Like You can always point your finger at, dude, I swear to God, I think Rocky might have been the best series of movies ever because like more quotes came from Rocky that I resonate with than any (laughs) other movie. But like, dude, like the whole, like, you got to be able to take the hits and not point your finger at him and her and say, you ain't where you want to be because of them. That's not the fucking way the world works. Like, Yeah,
0: it's 100% responsibility. 100% responsibility is the most empowering place you can ever come from. That's in my experience. That's why it's practice one in my five practices because that was my whole life changed tricky once I learned how to do that. And that was the biggest hurdle for me. And I became a coach after that truth landed for me. And it was so incredibly hard to swallow until I swallowed it. And then it became the easiest swallow of my life.
1: It changed everything. (laughs) I'm going to take that audio snippet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anything you want to say, I'm going to probably wrap this up with him.
1: Guys, if any of us, like if you see me or Kim DM you on Twitter and ask you guys or on Instagram and ask you guys if you want us to manage your money for you, please realize that's a scam. We don't do that. If you want to find me. The
0: latest one. Watch the fake accounts, guys
1: yeah but like honestly thank you kim so much for what you do for the community like straight up like we found you from i can't remember i listened to a podcast or something with you and somebody else and i was like i talked to adriano when i heard that i was like look she's from hawaii and i used to live there and i was like so i was like let's bring her over to true trader and see if she can work with the the room and when you did you came over and you did like a eight-part series and you worked with traders and like some of the stuff that you did that was three years ago or something right and some of those things we still like link those videos every time somebody's struggling with something like you need to go watch this you need to go watch that Uh like you need to Uh like because you got to do the work like you literally have to do the work on yourself so that you can see yourself progress in your trading journey so thank you kim for everything you've done for true Traders. for me personally for the community at large, because I see you out there doing your thing on Twitter and everywhere else, too. So, like, I just want to give you uh, praise for all the all the work you put in for people, and it's it's literally the most selfless shit I've ever seen, so...
3: Oh, yeah, you're,
0: you're just too sweet, Ricky. Thank you. I remember getting that email for each other the first time. I actually didn't even think it was, that was a real email. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what is going on? And then I spoke to him, and I was like wow this man in the real deal i was so impressed with him the first time i talked in and then i wound up getting to know you all because you're a traitor, ricky so thank yeah. you for that intro it's such a amazing how much has happened since then it's really quite something so thank you guys for everything be sure to follow ricky here on twitter if you haven't already Talk about generous Ricky's always He's being a contribution to this community. Also, Ricky, do you want to speak to where people can find you outside of Twitter so that they can just, you know, get more of Ricky? Okay. A lot of
1: I'm, though so I have a YouTube channel, I don't put content out anymore, but I am a active trader and I moderate and trade live every, almost every day, four days a week over at TrueTrader.net. My DMs are open on Twitter. So, like, dude, honestly, like, if you, aren't a member of TrueTrader.net, I don't ever treat you like you are not, right? Like you can DM me. I'm not going to, I take the time, right? Like you want to message me and you have a legitimate question, at least put in some work. Don't hit me up and be like, Hey, look, I'm down big on this trade. What should I do? I'm going to say you like, I probably should have asked that question before you got in the trade. But if you put in the work and you, and you really show it and you reach out, I will take the time and respond. I'm, I'm very accessible guys. So yeah, I'm on Instagram. I don't post too much there anymore. Maybe sometimes some family stuff. But again, you guys got to remember that, like, people ask me what I do for, like, they say, Hey, Ricky, what do you do? And usually when they ask, that, they're asking them, What do you do for a living? I never answer, I'm a trader. Always say, I like the golf. I'm a father, I skateboard, I lift weights. Like, traders so far down the list, guys. Gratitude is the attitude. That's just the way you guys got to live your life.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Well said. You're just, uh, uh-huh old soul ricky and i'm honored to know you and really just so happy that we got to meet and thank you for watching that like, have so many boots to go i have
3: to,
2: you're
0: <laughs> right. we meant to know each other and you're just such a rich contribution to my mind so thank you for your friendship ricky really and all that you give to this community
1: and thank you for everybody that tuned in right like uh yeah. you know we're not just trying to scream off into the news here so like it, it is nice yeah. to know that it's being received by people guys so
3: yeah
1: pat yourselves on the back
0: that's right you're all after hours trying to become better traders so kudos to each of you all right i'm actually going into a youtube live now ricky so
1: i might um, i might hop over there we'll see
0: good i'm so glad i'm so glad please <laughs> please do all right, all right. I'm a little hop for now and a hooey go Glad he was here. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll release this in about a week.
1: Peace out, everybody. This has been the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.